0: Chapter One of the Precipice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Precipice by Elia Wilkinson Peaty. Chapter One It was all over. Kate Barrington had her degree and her graduating honors, banquets and breakfasts and little intimate farewell gatherings, and the stirring convocation were through with so now she was going home. With such reluctance had the Chicago Spring drawn to a close that even in June the campus looked poorly equipped for summer, and it was a pleasure, as she told her friend Lena Room, who had come with her to the station to see her off, to think how much everything would be advanced downstate. Tomorrow morning the first thing, she declared, I shall go in the side entry and take down the garden shears and cut roses to put in the Dresden vases on the marble mantel-shelf in the front room. "'Don't try to make me think you're domestic,' said Miss Vroom, with unwanted raillery. "'Domestic, do you call it?' said Kate. "'It isn't being domestic. It's turning in to make up to Lady Mother for the four years she's been deprived of my society. You may not believe it, but that's been a hardship for her.' i say lena you'll be coming to see me one of these days miss vroom shook her head i haven't much feeling for a vacation she said i don't seem to fit in anywhere except here at the university i've no patience with you cried kate why you should hang around here doing graduate work year after year passes my understanding i declare i believe you stay here because it's cheap and passes the time but really you know it's a makeshift it's all very well to talk kate when you have a home waiting for you you're the kind that always has a place if it wasn't your father's house it would be some other man's ray mccray's for example as for me i'm lucky to have acquired even a habit and that's what college is with me since i've no home kate barrington turned understanding and compassionate eyes upon her friend She had seen her growing a little thinner and more tense every day, had seen her putting on spectacles and fighting anemia with tonics and yielding unresistingly to shabbiness. Would she always be speeding breathlessly from one class to another, palpitantly yet sadly seeking for the knowledge with which she knew so little what to do? The train came thundering in, They were waiting for it at one of the suburban stations, and there was only a second in which to say good-bye. Lena, however, failed to say even that much. She pecked at Kate's cheek with her nervous thin lips, and Kate could only guess how much anguish was concealed beneath this aridity of manner. Some sense of it made Kate fling her arms around the girl and hold her in a warm embrace. Oh, Lena, she cried, I'll never forget you, never lena did not stop to watch the train pull out she marched away on her heelless shoes her eyes downcast and kate straining her eyes after her friend smiled to think there had been only lena to speed her drearily on her way ray mccrae had of course taken it for granted that he would be informed of the hour of her departure but if she had allowed him to come she might have committed herself in some absurd way said something she could not have lived up to as it was she felt quite peaceful and more at leisure than she had for months she was even at liberty to indulge in memories and it suited her mood deliberately to do so she went back to the day when she had persuaded her father and mother to let her leave silvertree academy for young ladies and go to the university of chicago she had been but eighteen then but if she lived to be a hundred she could never forget the hour she streamed with five thousand others through hall gate and on to Cobb hall to register as a student in that young aggressive seat of learning she had tried to hold herself in not to look too heady and she hoped the lank girl beside her it had been lena vroom delegated by the league of the young women's christian association did not find her rawly enthusiastic lena conducted her from chapel to hall from office to woman's building from registrar to dean till at length kate stood before the door of cobb once more fagged but not fretted and able to look about her with appraising eyes around her and beneath her were swarms literally of fresh-faced purposeful youths and maidens an astonishingly large number of whom were meeting after the manner of friends long separated Later Kate discovered how great a proportion of that enthusiasm took itself out in mere gesture and vociferation, but it all seemed completely genuine to her that first day, and she thought with almost ecstatic anticipation of the relationships which soon would be hers. Almost she looked then to see the friend who was to be coming toward her with miraculous recognition in her eyes but she was none the less interested in those who for one reason or another were alien to her in the japanese boy concealing his wistfulness beneath his rigid breeding in the armenian girl with the sad beautiful eyes in the yiddish youth with his bashful earnestness then there were the women past their first youth abstracted and obviously disdainful of their personal appearance and the girls with heels too high and coiffures too elaborate, who laid themselves open to the suspicion of having come to college for social reasons. But all appealed to Kate. She delighted in their variety, yes, and in all these forms of aspiration. The vital essence of their spirits seemed to materialize into visible ether, rose-red or violet-hued, and to rise about them in evanishing clouds she was recalled to the present by a brisk conductor who asked for her ticket kate hunted it up in a little flurry the man had broken into the choicest of her memories and when he was gone and she turned to her retrospective occupation she chanced upon the most irritating of her recollections it concerned an episode of that same first day in chicago she had grown weary with standing and waiting and when Miss Vroom left her for a moment to speak to a friend, Kate had taken a seat upon a great unoccupied stone bench, which stood near Cobb-door. Still under the influence of her high idealization of the scene, she lost herself in happy reverie. Then a widening ripple of laughter told her that something amusing was happening. What it was, she failed to imagine, but it dawned upon her gradually that people were looking her way. Knots of the older students were watching her. "'Bewildered newcomers were trying, like herself, "'to discover the cause of the mirth. "'At first she smiled sympathetically, "'then suddenly, with a thrill of mortification, "'she perceived that she was the object of derision. "'What was it? What had she done? "'She knew that she was growing pale, "'and she could feel her heart pounding at her side, "'but she managed to rise, "'and turning faced a blond young man near at hand.' who had protruding teeth, and grinned at her like a sardonic rabbit. "'Oh, what is it?' "'Please,' she asked. "'The bench isn't for freshmen,' he said. Scarlet submerged the pallor in Kate's face. "'Oh, I didn't know,' she gasped. "'Excuse me.' She moved away quickly, dropping her handbag and having to stoop for it. Then she saw that she had left her gloves on the bench and had to turn back for those. At that moment Lena hastened to her i'm so sorry she cried i ought to have warned you about that old senior bench kate disdaining a reply strode on unheeding her whole body was running fire and she was furious with herself to think that she could suffer such an agony of embarrassment over a blunder which after all was trifling struggling valiantly for self-command she plunged toward another bench and dropped on it with the determination to look her world in the face, and to give it a fair chance to stare back. Then she heard Lena give a throaty little squeak. "'Oh, my!' she said. Something apparently was very wrong this time, and Kate was not to remain in ignorance of what it was. The bench on which she was now sitting had its custodian in the person of a tall youth, who lifted his hat and smiled upon her with commingled amusement and commiseration pardon he said but kate was already on her feet and the little gusts of laughter that came from the onlookers hit her like so many stones isn't this seat for freshmen either she broke in trying not to let her lips quiver and determined to show them all that she was at any rate no coward the student still holding his hat smiled languidly as he shook his head i'm new you see she urged begging him with her smile to be on her side "'dreadfully new. "'Must I wait three years before I sit here?' "'I'm afraid you'll not want to do it even then,' he said pleasantly. "'You understand this bench, the sea bench we call it. "'It's for men, any man above a freshman.' "'Tate gathered the hardihood to ask, "'But why is it for men, please?' "'I don't know why. "'We men took it, I suppose.' "'He wasn't inclined to apologize, apparently.' HE SEEMED TO THINK THAT IF THE MEN WANTED IT, THEY HAD A RIGHT TO IT. THE BENCH WAS GIVEN TO THE MEN, PERHAPS, SHE PERSISTED, NOT KNOWING HOW TO MOVE AWAY. NO, ADMITTED THE YOUNG MAN. I DON'T BELIEVE IT WAS. IT WAS PRESENTED TO THE UNIVERSITY BY A SENIOR CLASS. A CLASS OF MEN? NATURALLY NOT. A GRADUATING CLASS IS COMPOSED OF MEN AND WOMEN. See bench HE EXPLAINED is the center of activities. It's where the drum is beaten to call a mass meeting, and the boys gather here when they've anything to talk over. There's no law against women sitting here, you know, only they never do. It isn't—I hardly know how to put it. It it isn't just the thing— Can't you break away, McCray? Someone called. The youth threw a withering glance in the direction of the speaker. I can conduct my own affairs, he said coldly but Kate had at last found a way to bring the interview to an end. I said I was new, she concluded, flinging a barbed shaft. I thought it was share and share alike here, that no difference was made between men and women. You see, I didn't understand. The sea bench came to be a sort of symbol to her from then on. It was the seat of privilege, if not honor, and the women were not to sit on it. Not that she fretted about it. There was no time for that she settled in foster hall which was devoted to the women and where she expected to make many friends but she had been rather unfortunate in that the women were not as cooperative as she had expected them to be at table for example the conversation dragged heavily she had expected to find it liberal spirited even gay but the girls had a way of holding back kate had to confess that she didn't think men would be like that They would most of them have understood that the chief reason a man went to a university was to learn to get along with his fellow men and to hold his own in the world. The girls labored under the idea that one went to a university for the exclusive purpose of making high marks in their studies. They put in stolid hours of study and were quietly glad at their high averages, but it actually seemed as if many of them used college as a sort of shelter rather than an opportunity for the exercise of personality however there were plenty of the other sort gallant excursive spirits and as soon as kate became acquainted she had pleasure in picking and choosing she nibbled at this person and that like a cautious and discriminating mouse venturing on a full taste if she liked the flavor scampering if she didn't of course she had her furores now it was for settlement work now for dramatics now for dancing "'Subconsciously, she was always looking about for someone who needed her, "'but there were few such. "'Patronage would have been resented hotly, "'and Kate learned by a series of discountenancing experiences "'that friendship would not come any more than love at beck and call. "'Love, that gave her pause. "'Love had not come her way. "'Of course there was Ray McRae, but he was only a possibility. "'She wondered if she would turn to him in trouble.' of that she was not yet certain it was pleasant to be with him but even for a gala occasion she was not sure but that she was happier with honora daly than with him honora daly was honora fulham now married to a dark man as the gypsy fortune-teller would have called him he seemed very dark to kate menacing even but honora found it worth her while to shed her brightness in his tenebrosity so that was of course honora's affair kate smiled to think of how her mother would be questioning her about her admirers as she would phrase it in her mid-victorian parlance there was really only ray to report upon he would be the beau ideal young gentleman to recur again to her mother's phraseology the son of a member of a great state street drygoods firm an excellently mannered ingratiating traveled person with the most desirable social connections kate would be able to tell of the two mansions one on the Lakeshore drive and the other at lake forest where ray lived with his parents he had not gone to an eastern college because his father wished him to understand the city and the people among whom his life was to be spent indeed his father richard McRae, had made something of a concession to custom in giving his son four years of academic life ray was now to be trained in every department of that vast departmental concern the store and was soon to go abroad as the promising cadet of a famous commercial establishment to make the acquaintance of the foreign importers and agents of the house her mother would quite like all that though she would be disappointed to learn that there had thus far been no rejected suitors in her mother's day every fair damsel carried scalps at her belt figuratively speaking and after marriage became herself a trophy of victory dear mummy was that kate thought tenderly a willing and reverential parasite ladylike at all costs contented to have her husband provide for her her pastor think for her and martha underwood the domineering help in the house at silvertree do the rest kate knew mummy's mind very well knew how she looked on herself as sacred because she had been the mother to one child and a good wife to one husband she was all swathed around in chiffon sentiment of good victoria's day she didn't worry about being a consumer merely none of the disturbing problems that were shaking femininity disturbed her calm she was a lady the wife of a professional man it was proper that she would be well cared for She moved by her well-chosen phrases. They were like rules set in a copy-book for her guidance. Kate seemed to see a moving picture show of her mother's days. Now she was pouring the coffee from the urn, seasoning it scrupulously to suit her lord and master, now arranging the flowers, now feeding the goldfish, now polishing the glass with tissue paper. Then she answered the telephone for her husband, the doctor, answered the door too sometimes, she received calls and paid them read the ladies magazines and knew all about what was fitting for a lady of course she had her prejudices she couldn't endure oriental rugs and didn't believe that smuggling was wrong at least not when done by people one knew and when the things smuggled were pretty kate who had the spirit of the liberal comedian smiled many times remembering these things then she sighed, for she realized that her ability to see these whimsicalities meant that she and her mother were, after all, creatures of diverse training and thought. End of chapter One: Recording by Mary Schneider.